Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. This hour is brought to you by Team Hockberg. Visit their website, 56david.com. That's 56david.com. The Bernstein and Home Show. The other shoe has dropped, and Jerry Reinsdorf has made his pitch. If you don't like the team on the field and you don't like the owner, why would you root for him? Out of history? Cool. Guess what the owner did? He went number two on your history. Blamed you. Blamed, blamed the neighborhood. You. Blamed you and blamed the neighbor and said, look, you got to give me all this money now. Even though you gave me a bunch of money before, you got to give me all this money again because you weren't coming to enough games. You weren't coming to enough games because you were smart enough to understand that the product on the field was sour. You got a guy out here telling you how for 35 years he has not been an economic engine. He's telling you, I don't know how to make this business profitable. To even say things like the stadium would serve as an anchor. And yet, you're blaming your fans for not coming, even right after you won the World Series. You said, well, we didn't even draw after we won the World Series. Then how are you an anchor? But give me another one. What about the other one? I don't care. Screw those people. Screw that century of support that they have given this franchise. Screw the South Side. Let me get my white flight on so we can get this money. Bernstein and Hope. Middays 10 a.m. till 2 on Chicago Sports Radio. 670 The Score. We're broadcasting live from the Hyundai Studios. Brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. Happy Friday, Bernstein and Holmes. We are busy with stuff. James DeVoe to join us at 11, high noon. Kevin Fishbane at noon. Michael O'Brien, 1245. Jason Leisure at 1. Leading you up to Cubs and Sox baseball. That White Sox lineup just posted for today's game. Why don't you read it out? (laughs) No, no, no. Why not? I think it's illegal. No, you can read it out. Let people know what they're going to get today on the score. I, I really don't think our I cover should. starts at one fifty-five. Okay, you want you want your White Sox lineup? I do. I want to know who's playing in today's game: Cubs and White Sox, the battle for the Cactus League. Leading off in right field, Kevin Pillar, the shortstop, batting second, Paul DeYoung, batting third at first base, Andrew Vaughn. All right, he's decent. The cleanup hitter at third, Brian Ramos. I don't know who that is. The designated hitter, Tim Elko. I don't know who that is either. In center field, Dominic Fletcher. All right, well. The left fielder, Rafael Ortega. Sure, we've seen him. Your catcher, 
Martin Maldonado. He's going to hit 175 this year. At second base, Nicky Lopez. Also going to hit 175 this year. And the starting pitcher. Do you know he's from Naperville? Jesse Chavez, your Chicago White Sox. All right. Who the Cubs got going? Is that lineup out yet? They might as well just rename themselves the White Sox. I don't have the Cubs lineup. All right. Well, when it gets posted, we can talk about it. (laughs) Wow. That White Sox lineup. It's so fast. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Go Sox. Go Sox. I don't like our team. Theme song for your 2024 White Sox. I want to talk about it, cuh. Sox a fool. Aggressive, situationally smart, tenacious. Is that what it is? No, we, I forgot we again. put tenacious in there because oh, it's two sound. words. Oh, that's technically right. sound. Technically, so it's fast. Technically. And- Sox a fool. <laughs> no, they've got Tim Anderson now. That's right. They might have the worst defensive left side of an infield that's ever been put out there. And it's not MLB. great. Have you seen the White Sox left side of their infield? It's got to be better. Yeah, but we, we know Moncada can actually play oh, third. I right. legitimately forgot that Yohan Moncada's on the team. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. That's all right. So something did happen in the world of the White Sox yesterday that's actually a, a big deal. What? Chris Kampka left. Yes. Chris Kampka is, is fleeing. NBC Sports Chicago to join the marquee network. And you might think, well, who is that? Oh, that's just the Sox math guy. That is a, if you know the way these broadcasts are put together and you know, and he's his title of an associate producer, I don't think really reflects the, the significance. And especially for him to give up that history in that truck to go across town to the other truck, that's a big deal. Chris Kampka, I I adore him. He's just a really wonderful guy. And you've seen, he's one of those guys where you go, hey, hey, smart guy, what's going on? He's like, oh, well, let me tell you what's going on. And you go, someone should talk with that person on the air so that they could explain baseball to me. So we would put him on on the nighttime show when I was hosting that years ago. And he was always terrific and always like totally gracious with his time. And then you see like what he was doing from a production standpoint over at NBC Sports Chicago, how he was making every broadcast better, making everyone smarter, little nuggets of, of information to pass along to, to Jason Benetti and Steve Stone. And Sox math was his baby, you know, Cubs calculus, maybe. Well, to do that without there being any sort of infringement. But, yes, it's a it's a big deal. It's a big deal that he I, – I think the Cubs fans, not that they, they have really great, smart numbers people on the Cubs broadcast too, including their play-by-play guy. The enhancement of this with Chris Kampka as part of that production staff is going to, it's going to be noticeable. Let's put it that way. Like now that we've alerted you to it, you're going to be like, "Oh yeah, the guys were talking about this type of stuff being on the broadcast." It's also the the timing of the move itself considering rampant uncertainty that's surrounding the future of NBC Sports Chicago. Yeah, I, I would 
say that all of us that work there are probably a little worried about things because look, there are choices to be made by the teams that, that are partnered over there at NBC sports Chicago and what to do. And it's hard to ignore that over the last decade in full disclosure, I was one of the people that helped start the stadium network when it was 120 sports. They, Jerry Reiser has an entire network ready to go at the United Center. Like they they have program they do programming stuff with Marquee, strangely enough. Um, and then there was the kind of weird marriage between Stadium and Bally's, and that's been and that's part of Silver Chalice. Yeah. So right? like there there's there's a fully functional network out of the United Center. A lot of really smart people that work over there. And it's it's ready to be built out. That's that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, it's fully functional right now. You know, they've they've acquired a bunch of really talented people. Our our guy, Russ, left there. He's now the baseball Bigfoot at Yahoo, but he was hosting a show there for a couple of years. As the model changed, and you heard Tom Ricketts talking about it a little bit when, when he was asked down in Mesa about, how all of these things are working together, the landscape is changing. Like it's absolutely changing. So seeing someone that is, in my opinion, so pivotal to what it is that we do at NBC Sports Chicago move is jarring because he's, he's really great. Like every time I'm over there, I was over there yesterday. Like I'm surrounded by really smart, people and you want to make sure that everyone's going to be okay and when you see something like this like that him leaving was reverberating through the hallways when i was there earlier this week cubs fans you're going to enjoy it marquee hired an excellent person and on top of that like someone who's really good at their job speaking of smart people you're going to hear from one next. I just, I got, I, I, I was so pleased that there was an explainer put out yesterday. It's just a couple of minutes, a few minutes, and it's got cool video attached to it, but the audio works on its own, and it is done by Robert Reich. And you say, well, who's that? Well, Robert Reich was uh, Secretary of Labor in the Clinton administration. He also has worked for Gerald Ford. He worked for Jimmy Carter. He has been a lecturer at Harvard, and he currently lectures at, I believe, is it is it Stanford? Berkeley. I believe he's at Cal Berkeley. He's a brilliant guy, who, and a lot of people don't quite understand some of what we're talking about with the the larger economic issues of why publicly funded sports stadiums are bad for cities and bad for states and bad. He explains, and it's so lucid and smart, and it helps you realize, oh, we really shouldn't do this. So I think you should hear from him to just say, like, because sometimes all these discussions get really complicated, and you get overwhelmed in talking about bond issuances tax and, and tax abatements and all of this. And it's it's just a very simple way of explaining what's going on here, and at least for me, why it makes it very easy 
to stand in front of Jerry Reinsdorf and say, no, the answer is no, why it's bad public policy. So you'll hear that when we come back on The Score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You're listening to Bernstein and Holmes. Middays 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score. Mm. Explain it again with those nuggies. <laughs> That I'd watch would, that. I would absolutely watch that with Robert Reich using fast food to explain bad stadium public policy to Andy Reid. Mm. Explain it again with those nuggies. <laughs> Such a great commercial, man. So, so great. Uh, before we get into to Robert Reich, Dan, I have the Cubs lineup for today's game. Fair enough. Yeah, look, we gave the Sox lineup. And I think you should respond in kind with a presentation of the Cubs opening Cactus League lineup. And remember the slogan that Craig Council gave us. What's the slogan? No bunting. The results don't matter. This is from Andy Martinez, who works for Marquee. Ian Happ will lead off and play left field. Christopher Morrell will play third base and bat second. Miguel Amaya will catch and bat third. Matt Mervis will play first base today. Made a tweak to his swing. He'll bat fourth. Alex Canario is in right field. Pete Crow Armstrong is in center. Then we got Vasquez at short. Mm-hmm. Someone named Joe Hudson. Nope. That's that. Three, two, seven hundred. <laughs> no, Hudson. Three, two, seven hundred. Is that yeah. his jersey? Because that, that would be hilarious. That was played for Steve Bouchel. Hudson, three, two, seven hundred. That's what Nancy Faust would play. She'd play the 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 notes to that for Steve Bouchel because it was Bouchel's carpet cleaning, right? Yes. So so Joe Hudson will DH Fine. and Matt Shaw will play second base. Right. Wicks is going to pitch. He's going to start at least. Okay. So well, there I've heard of some of those people. <laughs> and some of them are good You've at, heard you've heard of most of yes, those and, people. Yes, and some are decorated baseball players. Some of them have the gold gloves and all-stars yes. and stuff. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Uh so this, I, I, I stumbled across this yesterday, and I retweeted it immediately because I just said, oh, that's, it's clean. So, it's clean, and it's easy to understand when one of the smartest economic and political economic minds and, and a, just a wonderful teacher, professor, lecturer, he does this for a living. He tries to explain things and make them clear. So if you are a Chicagoan, if you're an Illinoisan, if you are a White Sox fan, and you're just wondering, okay, I, it's all overwhelming. I get that it's probably bad, but why? Why, why, why are these deals bad? And why do cities keep making them? How does this keep happening? I give you Robert Reich. 
billionaires have found one more way to funnel our tax dollars into their bank accounts. Sports stadiums. And if we don't play ball, they'll take our favorite teams away. Ever notice how there never seems to be enough money to build public infrastructure like mass transit lines and better schools? And yet, when a multi-billion dollar sports team demands a new stadium, our local governments are happy to oblige. A good example of this billionaire boondoggle is the host of the 2023 Super Bowl, State Farm Stadium. That's where the Arizona Cardinals have played since 2006. It was built after billionaire team owner Michael Bidwill and his family spent years hinting that they would move the cards out of Arizona if the team didn't get a new stadium. Their blitz eventually worked, with Arizona taxpayers and the city of Glendale paying over two-thirds of the $455 million construction tab. And State Farm Stadium is not unique. It's part of a well-established playbook. Here's how stadiums stick the public with the bill. Step number one, billionaire buys a sports team. Just about every NFL franchise owner has a net worth of over a billion dollars, except for the Green Bay Packers, who are publicly owned by half a million cheeseheads. The same goes for many franchise owners in other sports. Their fortunes don't just help them buy teams, but also gives them clout, which they cash in when they want to get a great deal on new digs for their team. Step number two, billionaire pressures local government. Since 1990, franchises in major North American sports leagues have intercepted upwards of $30 billion worth of taxpayer funds from state and local governments to build stadiums. And the funding itself is just the beginning of these sweetheart deals. Sports teams often get big property tax breaks and reimbursements on operating expenses, like utilities and security on game days. Most deals also let the owners keep the revenue from naming rights, luxury box seats, and concessions, like the Atlanta Braves' $150 hamburger. Even worse, these deals often put taxpayers on the hook for stadium maintenance and repairs. We taxpayers are essentially paying for the homes of our favorite sports teams, but we don't really own those homes. We don't get to rent them out, and we still have to buy expensive tickets to visit them. Whenever these billionaire owners try to sell us on a shiny new stadium, they claim it will spur economic growth from which we all benefit. But numerous studies have shown that this is false. As a University of Chicago economist aptly put it, if you want to inject money into the local economy, it would be better to drop it from a helicopter than invest it in a new ballpark. But what makes sports teams special is they're one of the few realms of collective identity we have left. Billionaires prey on the love that millions of fans have for their favorite teams. This brings us to the final step in the playbook, threaten to move the team. Obscenely rich owners threaten to, or actually do, rip teams out of their communities if they don't get the subsidies they demand. Just look at the Seattle Supersonics. Starbucks founder Howard Schultz owned the NBA franchise, but failed to secure public funding to build a new stadium. So the coffee magnate sold the team to another wealthy businessman who moved it to Oklahoma. Now that'll leave a bitter taste in your mouth. The most egregious part of how the system currently works is that every dollar we spend building stadiums 
is a dollar we aren't using for mass transit, hospitals, housing, or schools. We're underfunding public necessities in order to funnel money to billionaires for something they could feasibly afford. So instead of spending billions on extravagant stadiums, we should be investing taxpayer money in things that improve the lives of everyone, not just the bottom lines of profitable sports teams and their owners. Because when it comes to stadium deals, the only winners are billionaires. Robert Reich basically saying, don't be a sucker. He makes it very simple and plain. Don't be a sucker. That's it. And he posted that referencing the White Sox. Correct. He said, Jerry Reinsdorf is asking for a billion dollars. And he posted that is a specific response to the White Sox ask. And it would be different, a little different, not totally different, if Jerry hadn't gone to the well multiple times already. This is this is the third time that he's asking for big money. And it's not even for the ballpark that he was gifted. And then had the renovation gifted to him. The the point that Dan and I have been trying to get across is that it's cool to have a new place and obviously it would be dope to have something that looked at the skyline of the city. But at what cost? The ends don't justify the means. And in the case of this, this guy is not a good shepherd for baseball in Chicago. Why should he be giving, given multiple opportunities to prove that with taxpayer money? None of us are against a new ballpark. We're against, at least the two of us, we're against it with public money. Jerry's got money. He could spend it. Just like he and Bill Wirtz built a little place called the United Center without public money. That's right. He can spend it. If, 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 if the things that he has put out there in the Cranes piece are important to him, like the idea of safeguarding the White Sox from the spooky outsiders that want to move the team. Scary outsiders. Then perhaps you shouldn't be seen and let it be known that you were seen talking to the mayor of Nashville. You could spend your own money if you want to protect Chicago and the White Sox. Spend your own money to do that. that that's a gesture of kindness and awareness and civic pride and duty. What you're trying to do is get over. You're trying to get over on the state. You're trying to get over on the city. Also, that you can do what you should have done in the first place. And that's another reason to me why he shouldn't be trusted with this, Dan. He was given the plans to Camden Yards. That's not what he chose. He chose the generic ballpark. And then when his own fans are like, this ballpark's really generic and not as cool as the ballpark that was knocked down, okay, great. I'll. You're right. Let's go fix that. Well, where will we get the money for that? We'll go right back to the same people that gave us the money to build a generic ballpark. His lack of business sense when it comes to the building of a ballpark should be something that is taken into account by state legislature, the state legislature on whether or not he should be allowed to do this. 
And the other thing is, I don't know a lot about related. I'd like to know more about them. And I'd like to see some reporting on them that isn't just, oh my God, look at how good this rendering is. And not to be a jerk, but in your rendering that you you, you sent mi- out to people. Did you misspell the name of the city? You made a massive mistake. You misspelled Chicago nine times. And that's a that's a rendering. And I'm supposed to trust you with, with the land? I'm supposed to trust you with the city's property. You couldn't even get the rendering right. Keep all of that stuff in mind. Keep the politicians accountable. Listen to what Robert Reich said. And if, if, if this ever does come up for ballot, although I don't think it's going to, vote no on it. Don't give him free money. Like, honestly, his, like, even if we brought it down, if we made it so simple, has he earned your money? Like, think of it that way. Has Jerry Reinsdorf earned your money on top of the money that you spend to go watch White Sox games? I don't think that there is a White Sox fan within the sound of our voices that would say the answer to that question is yes. Let's talk some baseball when we come back. Cubs and White Sox will be playing today, a game you will hear starting at 2 o'clock on Sports Radio 670 The Score. And Ron Coomer was on with the morning guys, and he had some real interesting thoughts about the Morrell third base experiment and more. So we'll discuss next on The Score. Dan Bernstein, Lawrence Holmes. Middays 10 to 2 on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. Bellinger leads at second. Swanson away from first. And the 1-2. Swinging a drive toward right center. Back goes Robert. Back near the stands. That ball is gone. A game-winning home run for Chris Morrell. Can you believe it? Listen to this crowd. That man's position is batter's box, but the Cubs are trying to change that by putting him at third. They're going to give him an opportunity to see if he can earn the job. And that, of course, Matt Chapman is still out there. He's still available, but you have to prepare as if he's not on the team because, you know, he's not on the team. Well, Ron Coomer is in the booth. Ron Coomer was a major league third baseman and an all-star who knows a little something about that position and gave the morning show today on The Score his thoughts about the Morrell third base experiment. The one big positive is now every day he goes to third base and they're working with him at third base. I don't think there were two days in a row last year that they worked with him at third base. It would be third base one day, then it would be center field maybe, then it would be he'd take ground balls at second. Then he you wouldn't see him do defensive work, you know, like extra work. And so to me, now that he's there every day, he gets inundated with work at third base every day. And I think that I, I talked with Counts about this yesterday. And Counts is a really a really good way of doing this. And it was very similar to an infield instructor that I had years ago, Ron Plaza was an old infield instructor. Scott Frocious and I got drafted in 87, and his first comments to to us were, you know, as we're learning, here's what we expect out of you at third base. Get outs. You get a two-hopper hit to you, you catch it, 
You throw it to first, you get an out. He would say, I don't care if you're standing on your head. Just get an out and let's move to the next guy. That's all he asked for. And Counts made a comment yesterday to me as him and I were just talking. All I want him to do is make the routine play. Nothing more than that. And then let's get him to home plate and let him hit. And I think having a manager that understands that expectation and he's going to make some mistakes is really going to help Christopher. This is the point that I was making. This is what I was trying to tell you, that they've never really given him an opportunity. He's like, oh, you happen to play third? Okay, cool. We'll put you over there. But you also play left and right and sometimes center and second and first base. That he hasn't had a chance to actually learn the position and field ground balls there. So I'm happy to see that this is at least what they're trying. I don't. It's more than likely not going to work. But I would rather them fail with him at third base because he's a more athletic player than what you've had previously at third base. I, I, I was so happy to hear Koo mention Ron Plaza. I was that was my very first job was after my freshman year of college working with the Madison Muskies, who were the Midwest League Class A affiliate of Oakland, and. Coombe had been there the season before I got there, I believe. I, I think it was the season before. The guy he mentioned, Scott Brocious, who later went on to be a three-time World Series champ and I think the 98 World Series MVP, Brocious, they they tried him everywhere because that was a guy whose position was batter's box. Brocious could just absolutely rake, and they didn't know where to play. So he was the he was our shortstop in Madison, and he was awful. I hit something like 40 errors, I want to say, in the in the year that I was there. And he ended up with and, and working with, I think Ron Plaza was a roving infield instructor within the Oakland organization at the time. In 86, I think he was actually on the Major League staff with the A's. But then he was still in the organization. And eventually, Brocious became a gold glover at third. A Major League gold glover for a guy who, in, in A-ball, was kicking it all over the place. So... Well, lo- there learning are six- the position at the major league level is harder. Yeah, of course it is. But there are, I'm just saying, I know personally that like the guy he mentioned, the guy that Coombs specifically mentioned, is one of those developmental success stories. It's obviously, I mean, doing it where he is now is, is but, probably the hardest possible thing you can do. But I will say, I can't think of a better environment for someone to not worry as much about playing the position than playing next to maybe the smartest shortstop in the game. Like, if you're going to learn right. and you you know that the guy that is behind you has range, can help you with positioning on, from batter to batter, that type of stuff matters. Like, having someone there to help you out is, is, is significant. While we're talking about the Cubs and while we're talking about Coombe, there's another Cub that we talked about yesterday, and, and that's Miguel Amaya. Coombe had some thoughts on him as well. He's a big leader, and, and I mean that in all the good senses of the words. He, he's walking around. He knows he belongs here. He knows he can play here. Uh, he knows he's going to be catching. He's, he's good, and I think it's a great situation the Cubs have right now um, with, with Gomes being such a great leader. You know, Gomes brings so much to the table for this team that they need. So to keep him fresh and have a Maya catch, um, 
and, and be able to do some of those things. I think the Cubs catching situation in the big leagues right now is in a very good spot. I, I'm a big fan of both guys, and I think both guys do some different things. I think Gomes will be able to help Amaya with the last few pieces of the puzzle to, to round out his game to make him a better big league player. But I, I love the, the catching scenario the Cubs have right now. I'm happy that the reports that we're getting on Amaya are not just about his bat, that we are seeing development as him as a receiver, which those are the questions. Like the, That's what you want to know. Can he pick up that stuff, whether we're talking about from Gomes or the coaching staff, or he's just naturally good and has been doing a lot of work to get better at it? You were asking that question to our buddy Maddie Lee, who is down there covering the Cubs, and here's what she said about the breakdown of that catching position. I think that'll all just play out over the course of the season. They're looking at it as, all right, we've got two catchers who could both take on a big chunk of the innings back there. And so, you know, if Amaya gets really hot and they want him in the lineup and pitchers have all spoken so highly of kind of his calm presence behind the plate, then like maybe it shifts towards him. Or if he's, you know, slumping and, and Jan, you know, we saw a bunch of big hits from Jan Gomes last year, kind of as he had, you know, year one for him has typically been a little bit of a, slightly more down offensive year as he's bounced around the league. And then year two, you know, now that he knows the pitching staff and that's really his focus, right? Is the defensive side, the pitching staff. Once that's all settled, then year two, he tends to pick up more. So I think they're really kind of leaving it open and know that both guys are capable of carrying a big load. By the way, we will have our broadcast will start at 155 today of the Cubs White Sox game, the Cactus League opener. The battle for it all. Today. Winner gets to the city. <laughs> if the White Sox win, the, they get a stadium? No, they get the Cubs stadium. And then the Cubs have to leave. Oh, the White Sox will tell you that they don't want it, even though that's exactly what they want. So I, I I was thanks to this site, the Baseball Cube. I was able to. It, Coomer was there in Madison the year after I was there. Coomer raked there. Well, yeah, he made the major leagues, Dan. Yeah, but not, that's not true for everybody. There are some people who are late bloomers. There are some who make swing changes or positional changes. But in in the Midwest League at the time, for him to slash three nineteen four oh one four forty four because that was a pitcher's league. That was a and I was right. The, the year before, Scott Brocious had a total of 44 errors. You're turning into less every day. <laughs> I was, I'm glad I was right. I was there yeah. for many of those errors. Every day. Every day. When we come back, James Naveau is going to be on the show. We're looking forward to talking with James because here's the thing about Naveau. Like, he's kind of known as, like, a guy that knows hockey and knows baseball. He knows all of that. He also knows news and politics. We're going to ask him about how all of this stuff is going on in Springfield and get his thoughts on what happens next. Next on The Score. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. 
Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.